0: It's time for the Crunch Time Plays podcast, where we talk all things sports, from the collegiate level all the way up to the pros. And now, here's your host, Bennett Ganey. Hello, everybody. Thanks for hopping back in to another episode of Crunch Time Plays. Always trying to bring you the best guests, knowledgeable about the game of basketball and all over the wide world of sports, and today's no different. And the guests that I'm really excited about, we took it a little bit to to schedule it but so thankful that we did and uh, you can catch her on the SEC network and catch her all over ESPN as well and that's Andrea Carter. Andrea what's going on? Thanks so much for coming on today.
1: Hey thanks for having me. It's uh, you know the off season but kind of still in season getting some things going um, but just feeling really good after the college season that we had and it's in a really good place right now.
0: Well it's definitely a, a pleasure to have you and it seems it seems like to me that, that the season is really never over now, especially with the transfer portal and, and all that going on these days.
1: Yeah, that's so true. I, I started a whole new document. So I keep a running document throughout the season where I just add things for at least the top 25 teams and then some of the top teams in the other conferences, Um, you know, the non-Power 5 conferences. I just keep all these notes. And so I literally just emptied out that one, started a new one, and I'm just filling in trying to keep up with – who's going where, what coach is going where, and just adding in notes. As soon as the season's over, it's like the next season begins. Those new teams start, and you got to keep up with everything, and there are so many changes um, that have happened already.
0: No doubt about that, and I want to start with you. We've just had the the WNBA draft, and so many SEC players going in the first round, so many great players. you got Chelsea Dungy, Jasmine Walker, Reniah Davis – And Leah Wilson is just so many great players that that I thoroughly enjoy watching throughout their career in college. But based on the teams that they went to, what type of impact do you see those four making early on in the WNBA?
1: Oh, man. You know, I think a, a lot all of the players that got drafted from the SEC and not even talking like team specific, I think they can make an impact. Just because of the players that they are, you know, Jasmine Walker, she is such a big sniper from beyond the arc. She can knock down the three. And sometimes, you know, if you look at the league, if you look at any league, right, say we take the NBA, Danny green, that's what he does. He knocks down shots. Right. And so for Jasmine Walker, LA needs a sniper. That's what they need. They need someone to knock down those shots. Think about having her on the wing, having to be respected. That's going to open up driving lanes for Sykes or for Cooper, or whoever is on the team, if that makes sense. And so I think that, you know, it's it's huge. Chelsea Dundry, obviously a dynamic scorer, but we've also seen her defend the four position in the SEC. I think that she'll honestly be even better and even more efficient because less is going to be asked of her than was at Arkansas, right? So she's going to have a little less of that pressure, a little less of the ball in her hands. That way, when she makes those moves, there's not as many times. I think her numbers go up. Renaya Davis is obviously long, athletic. Aaliyah Wilson plays defense, and you've got to be able to play defense. The WNBA, they want people to pick up 94 feet from the floor. Aaliyah Wilson can do that. She also can elevate and contest shots. Sierra Johnson, India Jones. I mean, the list could go on and on um, with, you know, Sierra Johnson is mature. She's a leader. She's a woman. She's a grown woman. She was a woman playing against girls in college, but she's just got that it factor. You know, she is a pro just because of the woman that she is. And India Jones is obviously an athlete out of this world who's going to be that gritty hustle player. So I think that you know, out of all that, even Destiny Slocum, right? You can't leave out Destiny Slocum. She just knows the game, her basketball IQ. Um, I could go on and on with the SEC and the draft that we have, but I think that um, they'll have a good showing.
0: We're talking about, you know, team players leaving leaving college and moving on to the WNBA, but you, so much things going off in the offseason now. You got new recruits coming in, you got the transfer portal that's so evident now. What kind of storylines are, are you watching? Uh, throughout the off season, with the SEC and at Vanderbilt, just hired their new coach, and there's so many players moving around with the transfer portal. So, what have your what are you what are your most storylines that you're watching here?
1: Well, you know, everyone's right, talking about the transfer portal and like it's just this culture change. But I expected the transfer portal to have this many players in because everybody gets an extra year. But we didn't know that coming into this season that everybody you know everybody gets this year back. And so for teams, if you've got you know, five seniors, but you've got four freshmen coming in, there's a there's someone's got to go. And so there are like some of these seniors, they either want to keep playing. They're not ready to enter the real world yet. There's not a place for them on their current team. So they might go down a level just to keep playing and, and you know, just to get their masters or for whatever. So I think that the transfer portal where a lot of people are saying it's a, like a culture basketball culture thing, we were going to see this number skyrocket. There's just not room for everybody at the power five level to play one more year. Um, But storylines, I've really got my eye on LSU, you know, with Kayla Pointer, Faustina Fua staying, Jalen Cherry staying. Um, I think that's huge. And then they're also getting Copeland and Newby. So the transfers that they're getting, Araya Copeland, obviously strong rebounding force, Autumn Newby. We didn't see her last season, but We know what she's capable of. We know what she can do. She is a energy talking leadership, true, true athlete. So I'm excited. And we, we don't know who their coach is going to be yet. So that's, you know, I think that that's obviously a a big deal. Um, So definitely have my eyes on LSU Vanderbilt and what Shea Ralph's going to do. Shea Ralph is obviously uh, a legend, a legendary assistant coach. And so what she does with that program. And Vanderbilt is putting a lot into their athletics department. Um, We've been seeing that all season. So just their growth and what she does. And it's almost kind of like a clean slate because they didn't play last year. They don't have Koi Love anymore. She's at Arizona. So just a lot of, they don't have uh, Chelsea Hall. You know, she's obviously at Louisville. So there are so many things. I think Vanderbilt and Louisville, I really have my own. Same thing with Georgia. Jenna Stady's staying, Q Morrison staying. That's big time. And those are two leaders. Florida's got Kiki Smith back. Um, Ole Miss has Angel Baker, who we saw what she did in the SEC, I mean in the NCAA tournament, a dynamic score. So I think that um there's those those three I would say, was that three? LSU, Vanderbilt, Old Miss. And I also want to see what noise Florida can make.
0: Well, a team that's definitely not hurting for talent is South Carolina because they've got all their players coming back. With Lily Grissette just announcing that she's coming back. Plus, she had the number one recruiting class coming in with Raven Johnson, Sonia Rivers, Sonia Fagan, and then Hall, the other who was ranked number 14 overall. But if you were to step into Don Staley's shoes during this offseason and to next year, how would you go about managing the minutes for all these quality players that they've got coming back?
1: You know, I would do exactly what she's done the last two, three, however many seasons. If you think of going back to the teams where she had Kayla Davis and Alicia Gray and Elena Coates and Asia Wilson, you have to manage minutes and everybody wants to touch the basketball, at least get a feel for the basketball, right? She's done that and it worked, right? They they won, they won it all. So I think that Dawn has proven that she has whether it's her personality, whether it's her just closeness to her players and the relationships that she has, whether it's her basketball mind, whatever it is that has led to these, you know, last, we'll say five years, I would just stick to the same thing, you know, because two seasons ago it was Ty Harris, Kiki Herbert Harrigan, you know, all-star freshman Destiny Henderson was coming off the bench and everybody committed to their role. Last season, They even changed – like the team was able to morph throughout the season to finally, at just about the right time, get Aaliyah Boston the basketball. So something – even if it wasn't happening in the beginning, she had the ability to show them and get them on the same page as the season progressed. And so I I just think that whatever she's got cooking over in South Carolina, use the same ingredients, use the same method, and do the same thing because those players – I never see anyone look irritated with South Carolina, that they're coming out of the game. Or I never see anyone roll their eyes or throw their towel down because they got pulled. It just seems like they're like, okay, I'm coming out of the game now. Like, my teammates are going to go in and get it done. And so it works. She's got it going. Same thing.
0: Well, that's one of the things that I've always appreciated about Dawn Staley. I mean, even even when she got hired, not having the success that she's had now, her her team's always played this selfless, unselfish basketball, where you're just happy for the. They don't care about individual stats; they just care about they just care about wins.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's amazing going back to Tiffany Mitchell and Khadijah Sessions and and all of those like Tina Roy, the sharpshooters that they had, and just I think that the commitment and just the feel, the family feel, you see it now. Where all of those former players, even the ones that didn't win in 2017, they still are connected to the program. They're still reaching out to Don. They're tweeting Don. They talk to Don. They come back and visit. And so I think the family feel, that's why everyone's still, you know, my high school coach, he always says the best teams are the ones that are the greatest programs are the ones where former players come back. And former players stay connected, and I, I think South Carolina is exactly that.
0: What in your mind is allowing her to keep this really great coaching staff that she has together? I know the only the only coach that she's really lost over the years has been Nikki McRae, but we talk about Coach Samil, Coach Law, Coach Boyer. They're all fantastic basketball minds. Just and they they have always probably have opportunities to leave for other jobs, but. But, I mean, why why would you want to leave? I mean, when you have the, the culture that she's built and the the players in that program, just how – how from Dawn's perspective, how would you go about seeing how she's been able to keep this staff together?
1: Uh, you know, just when I watch their practices, you know, Dawn trusts her staff. And, and also Dawn is very clear, you know, and I've obviously never been in their meetings. But even just watching her practices – when she puts in a press, it's extremely clear what she's looking for, what she wants her players to do. And so I would imagine that, like she has an answer. When a player asks a question, she has an answer and she can give it to them. And I would imagine that her communication with the staff is the same. This is what I need from you. This is what we're going to do. It's, it's incredibly clear. There's no gray areas. And so I think that for Coach Law, for all of those amazing coaches, it's nice to be in a place where you know what's expected of you you can perform and you can achieve at a high level and still feel respected and feel like you have a place next to the legend. You know, they're not beneath her, they're next to her. And I think that that from what I see and from my perspective, that's what it looks like to me. Um obviously I don't know for sure, but that's what it looks like. It looks like they're all even and they're all they're communicating with Dawn, they're talking and it just looks like they're connected. They seem like a connected staff and I could be way off, right? Like this is just from what I've seen. Um, And two, though, I think that the players that they consistently bring in, they have relationships with them and they know that they're going to get great players in, but they don't just recruit great players. What we've seen is they recruit great personalities as well. Dawn has a really great feel for the personalities that are going to fit. And so the staff can trust that as the new players come in, it's all just going to keep working. And I think that, um, I don't know, you'd have to have an amazing opportunity, I think, to leave such a healthy, respectful situation that is being on that staff.
0: One of the things that I've heard uh, just being here in South Carolina, listening to, to all the fans around the program, just talk about how she's becoming kind of like Gino Auriem almost, just a just a pioneer for the women's game. One of the, She's obviously one of the top coaches in the game now. Where would you – if you were to go about ranking some of the coaches in the women's game, where would Dawn Staley fit on that list?
1: Oh, gosh. I, that's so hard. I think that is so – it's so difficult to, to rank the coaches, but she would 100% be at the top, in my opinion. Um, I think that when she gets the best out of her players – the player development that she had, you know, like the things that Asia Wilson could do as a freshman were multiplied by 10 when she became, when she was a senior, same thing we've seen with Aaliyah Boston or with Ty Harris, right? She was a floor general and then became a scorer that they needed her to be towards her senior year. And so I think that uh, I put her at the top. I I can't even, there's so many, just incredible coaches, ones that she's talked about paving the way for her: uh, Carolyn Peck, Vivian Stringer, um, Gino Ariemma, you know Veer, However, at Stanford, I think there are um, countless, countless coaches. Pat Summit, obviously, is one of them um, as well. But Don will is a hundred percent at the top and will continue to be at the top. I think for the rest of her career, because I don't see it. Ever falling off. I think it's momentum, and I think it builds, and I think it grows, and I think that um, she's a legend already. But the legend status is just going to continue to be added to.
0: I wanted to, to get your thoughts on possible the. I know we're we're in the off season now, kind of looking ahead to next year. But to me, in in this past Final Four, when that shot rimmed out for Aaliyah Boston, it to send Stanford onto the national championship game. It reminded me of 2016 watching South Carolina in the NCAA tournament losing in the second round to Syracuse when Asia Wilson was just distraught coming off the court reminded me a lot of that with Aaliyah Boston. And then they go on to win the national championship the next year. Are we – I know that, I know it's early, don't want to pre- start predicting a lot of things, but could we see something like that? And, and what will be your thoughts on maybe a South Carolina versus UConn National Championship game next year?
1: Man, I think that would be amazing. And I think we would see that, you know, Aliyah Boston and all of the Gamecocks, they were crushed. They were hurt that that happened. They were crushed that they were in that situation. I love that they fought so hard to even get it back and have a chance to win it, right? But that's fuel, And I think that all the players at South Carolina are extremely motivated players. So to give them even extra motivation and every player on the team felt that moment, right. And they're all coming back and they're getting talented freshmen coming in and they can just pour that heartache into the freshmen that are coming in and just pull them right in with them and just keep trucking along. So I think that we could definitely see it. I would love to see, um, South Carolina UConn hopefully we see it in the in the season because I love that matchup just in the regular season um, but I think South Carolina with what we saw especially towards the end of the season if they keep that momentum and utilizing Aaliyah Boston and Zaya Cook shooting shots that are on balance and not changing her shot which is something that Don and, and Ziya both talked about we saw that in the tournament you know we saw control and we saw great shots and Destiny Henderson, you know, she's got to feel a little hurt too. There's motivation there, and so I think that will. I think Lily Grissette is going to come back with some fire. She didn't even get to play. She, you know, so um, I definitely think that South Carolina, as a, a very early prediction, uh, we could see them in the national championship game.
0: One of the, one of the things that has gotten people talking about the women's game a lot more the past few years has been the parody that's come about. It used to be kind of UConn and everybody else, and the ten- Tennessee used to be there, but it's really been about Coach Auriemma at UConn. Is there one thing or a couple things that you could point to and say this is the reason why there's so much parity in the game now?
1: Well, I think the reason, like everyone, there were think, talk, there was talk about Gene Auriemma being bad for the game, and I think it was the exact opposite. I think he was great for the game. I think he – is still, um, but he challenged everybody to be better, to get players in that fit in your system, because that's what he did, right? He got players that fit with what he needed and what his teams needed, whether it was personality or a skill set. He pieced it together very, very seemingly perfectly. um, And he challenged everybody else to do the same, like whatever your system is, right? He's not saying everybody should have UConn system. Everybody should run this. Everybody should do this. I feel like with, with Gino, it was more like, whatever you do, get players that fit it, figure it out, have a system and come compete with us. And I think that we've seen that, you know, Stanford has a system, Arizona and Adia Barnes, that defense, that was their system. They figured it out. What works? South Carolina, just any of the teams um, they've got their own. I keep saying system, but whatever it is, the, their personality, their culture, they've got it. And now we're seeing them put pieces in season after season and get stronger to be able to compete and to have that kind of parity. And so I think that's what it is. Everybody has been challenged and they've risen to the occasion. I think is the best part, right? That there was a challenge put out there. We had one team that was pretty much dominating and, it was almost like a collective effort for everybody to step up. Um, and now we're seeing it, you know, players now coming out of high school, they don't just have to pick from four teams, right? What team do I want to play for? They could say, where do I want to live? Do I want to live in South Carolina? Do I want to live in Arizona? Do I want California, where, where do I want to be in the country? And no matter where they want to be, Texas, right? Iowa, wherever they want to live, they've got a high quality option for great basketball and great coaching and I, I love it it's it's really awesome to see
0: yeah that's a really awesome point because when I think when I when I was thinking about that and that question I keep thinking I keep going back to kind of SEC football I just talking about Alabama and when you talk about UConn just all the other teams it's like a collective effort to say what what is the personnel that we need what kind of systems do we need to run to to be in order to to knock off the top, and I think you're seeing a lot of that in the women's game now. But we're here with Drea Carter; she's one of the best. We're, you catch her on the SEC Network. But then I want to move Drea to kind of growing the women's game and the, the rate ratings for this past NCAA tournament were were really high. So so many people watching the women's game now, and it, it's really awesome basketball. I thoroughly enjoy it. But one of the, one of the things that I think and I kind of get frustrated by this too a little bit is the fact that there's in the past years, you didn't see quite as many upsets in the women's tournament to create kind of that, that Cinderella feel. But one of the things that I appreciated about this year's tournament so much was it wasn't a neutral site. It was in San Antonio. You didn't have those first and second round games being played at home arenas. And so I know going forward, I know the schools don't want to lose that revenue for the first and second round, but could it could it be possible in the next few years in the future to maybe kind of create more of those bubble-like settings for the women's tournament? I know Debbie Antonelli's mentioned uh, Las Vegas a couple times for like the sweet 16 on. Just what what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think that it could happen. I think that the rates and the ratings and everything that happened this season. I think there are a lot of things that we could pull. I say we, but decision makers could pull from and use for the future uh, to keep it going. So I think it would be a great idea. I don't know the logistics of it and I don't know what, you know, teams would lose in doing that or schools would lose in doing that. So, you know, the ins and outs of it are obviously easier said than done. Um, but I think it could be a really great opportunity for some of those upsets and that you see and that make the tournament so fun. Um, so I think so. I have no idea. And I'm glad I'm not in a decision making chair. But I think it would be awesome to see that just because the neutral site, as we saw this season, made a difference.
0: Yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. And it kind of kind of as we're winding down, kind of the the last thing, the last couple of things that I have for you. but looking at we talked about the we talked about kind of storylines earlier but what what would you be looking for in the sec as far as kind of rosters that are being put together once we get all the transfers finalized what what are you most excited about and I know we touched on a few teams earlier but there are there any other teams that you're you're excited about going into the to the season
1: yeah excited about it and just interested in as well uh, and i want to see what texas a&m does losing sierra johnson and dia Jones, ali wilson and, and losing at least those three key players i want to see what they do i want to see i think that coach blair is incredible and so just what he does i want to see what johnny harris harris does at auburn uh taking over that program a new head coach but uh very, very incredible run as an assistant with Vic Schaefer. So she's familiar with the SEC. Uh, so I think that that could be a great storyline to watch. Kyra Elsie's in her second season at Kentucky. Um, they lose Kiki McKinney, who's kind of a big leadership piece. So I want to see what Kentucky can do. Tennessee is getting a, a little bit of an assistant coach shift um, with Coach Sully getting a head coaching opportunity. And so I think that... Um, What's Tennessee going to do, right? There's, there's so many. It's it's so fun. Um, I think Missouri was getting hot, right? They had a lot of games towards the end of last season where they were so close. And, you know, I think it was, had to be like five to seven games that were lost by single digits where they fought hard and they were so close. LaDajah Williams was playing really strong by the end of the season. So Missouri, Kentucky, Auburn, Texas AM, and um, a lot of those teams, I think that, there are so many storylines that just the SEC in general is going to be a lot of fun to watch. How do these teams pivot and keep moving and transition, or stay the same and have success? Uh, I'm interested in seeing. One
0: of the, the the last thing I got for you is I wanted to get your thoughts on. I'm kind of going back to to your college career, outstanding player at Tennessee, but. Wanted to ask you about your what your relationship with Pat Summit was like. I know you were part of her last recruiting class. Just what what was she like going through the process? And she was such a pioneer for the game, but, but what was it like kind of going through the recruiting process with her and, and what was it like to play for her?
1: Um, it was great. You know, she was head coach emeritus my freshman year, and so she was around um as far as the basketball goes and just having her presence around. It just made a difference. But I was very fortunate to get to know Pat from a young age. We started talking my freshman year in high school. Um so it was it's insane to think about being a freshman in high school talking to Pat Summit, but when I think back on it, it felt very comfortable always. You know, she always made me feel like she was genuinely interested in what I had to say even though I probably had nothing of true interest to talk about at 13, what, 14, 15 years old. So, but it never felt that way. It never felt like I need to think about what I'm saying because I'm talking to Pat or like, it just felt very comfortable. I remember the first time I talked to her, I was so nervous. It was going in, it was ninth grade. And I said, Hey, coach summit. And she was like, Hey, player, Andrea, you can just call me Pat. So just like immediately, you know, like leveled the playing field for me. And I'm just still freaking out. Um, But it was great because I committed as a sophomore in high school. And so after that, as soon as I could drive, I was driving up to Knoxville just to watch games, to watch practices, to hang out with the team, to hang out with Pat. And so even though I didn't have as much time with her on the court as I would have liked, I talked to her so much. I spent time, a lot of time with her. Um, just in the recruiting process and in my trips to Knoxville. And so, um, and then when, when I was a player, you know, we would go to her house, she would have us over. Um, It was, it was incredible. She just was such an amazing to be the legend that she was, but to be just so kind and genuine and think about others. Um, She saw the glare and she was still really tough. I didn't experience that side of it as much. I really just saw kind of the woman that she was off the court, and I appreciate that time that I had.
0: There's no doubt about that, and and Coach Thomas such, was such a pioneer for the game, and and her her legacy is going to you know going to live on for a lot of years to come. But Andrea, thanks so much for for taking time with me today. I'm glad we finally got to schedule it, but we definitely have to do it again soon. But tell everybody where they can find you on social media and what you got coming up.
1: Yeah. uh, Social media, Twitter, and Instagram is just Andrea. That's A-N-D-R-A-Y-A underscore Carter. Uh, So you can find me there. I hope to do some work with the WNBA. I'm not sure just yet, um, but if not then, then definitely next college basketball season, um, SEC network, hopefully some studio up in Bristol again, because that was awesome. Um, And we'll just see, uh, we'll see where, This season of momentum kind of
0: goes. There's no doubt about it, and 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 much respect from me. I thoroughly enjoy all your work, and looking forward to what you got coming up. But but thanks so much for for taking time, and let's do it again soon.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, You're welcome. And that's
0: Carter. You find her all over the SEC Network, ESPN. Thanks so much to her for joining us, and thanks so much to you for watching and listening today. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. It's been another edition of Crutch Time Plays. God bless everybody.